Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. The Little Peasant. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a Grim Reading. There was a certain village where no one lived but really rich peasants and just one poor one whom they called the little peasant. Wow. Now, okay, Adam. That, okay, I know we're going to... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Whoa, 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 right. whoa. Are you, this is going to be a stumbling block for you. I was... Earlier today, for some bizarre reason, I was re-listening to... Hans Married. Hans Married, and listening to that very point where you mentioned a rich peasant and I got quite <laughs> uppity about it. <laughs> it's happened again! <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole village full of them. A whole village where no one lived except rich peasants. Right. Okay, Matt, what have you got for me? Because <laughs> that is not possible. <laughs> well, there's one poor one whom they call the little peasant. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did find definitions of the word peasant, but yeah. I think we should save that for later because this is the first it. sentence. Okay. Let's get on with the story first. Okay, rich peasant. <laughs> okay. Just going to have to deal with it. I'm just going to have to accept that. Okay. Actually, Adam, this story is going to require a lot of leaps of faith. Wow. So... <laughs> You're gonna have so I'm going to have to leave the rich peasants yeah. behind, okay. No, you're sticking with the rich peasants. Okay. But, uh, yeah, just prepare yourself, okay. So you, you get the picture. I mean, I, I do and I don't, but let's... Okay, village full of rich peasants. There's one poor one whom they call the little peasant. He had not even so much as a cow and still less money to buy one. And yet he and his wife did so wish to have one. One day he said to her, Say, I have a good thought. There is our friend, the carpenter. He shall make us a wooden calf and paint it brown so that it looks like any other. And Aww. in time, it will certainly get big and be a cow. Oh, okay. I thought it was quite sweet. <laughs> now, I just... Oh, dear. Then it went delusional. Yeah, it was a little bit of a face palm moment. Okay. The woman also liked the idea. And their friend, the carpenter, cut and planed the calf and painted it as it ought to be and made it with its head hanging down as if it were eating. So they've had a lovely wooden calf made. That's lovely. Next morning, when the cows were being driven out of the village, the little peasant called the cowherd and said, Look, I have a little calf there, but it's still small and has to be carried. The cowherd said, All right, and took it in his arms and carried it to the pasture and set it among the grass. Did he think rigor mortis had set him? Like what? <laughs> the little calf always remained standing and seemed to be eating all the time. <laughs> it doesn't move much. And the cowherd said, Oh, he'll soon be able to run alone. Just look how it eats already. At night, when he was going to drive the herd home again, he said to the calf, If you can stand there and eat your fill, you can also go on your four legs. I don't care to drag you home again in my arms. So the, so the cow herd's been like, Well, if you're just going to stay there, all yeah. the other cows are leaving the field. Oh, you're that hungry. Just stay there then. But the little peasant stood at his door and waited for his little calf at him. And when the cowherd drove the cows through the village and the calf was missing, he inquired where it was. The cowherd answered, It's still standing out there eating. It would not stop and come with us. But the little peasant said, Oh, but I must have my beast back again. And then they both went back to the meadow together. Oh. But someone had stolen the calf and it was what? gone. No way. Who's going to steal the calf? That's mean. The cowherd said, It must have run away. But the peasant, however, said, Don't tell me that. And brought the cowherd before the mayor, 
who, for his carelessness, condemned him to give the peasant a cow for the calf which had run away. And now the little peasant and his wife had the cow for which they had long wished. And they were heartily glad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what? There's a big frown on Adam's face. Are you yeah. following? I'm following. Okay, good. I feel like we're on the edge. <laughs> yeah, we're very much teetering on the edge. So they're happy they got the cow. They've got, like, they've got a real cow now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they thought the other one was real. Yeah, that was weird. Right? <laughs> but they've got no food for it. Oh, no. And they can't give it anything to eat, so it soon had to be killed. Oh, no. That was a great one thing about the other one. It didn't really need much food. They salted the flesh, and the peasant went into the town and wanted to sell the skin there so that he might buy a new calf with the proceeds. It's clever. Yeah. Okay, yeah. On the way, he passed by a mill, and there sat a raven with broken wings. And out of pity, he took him and wrapped him in the skin. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> what? This guy can't afford to feed his cow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's had it killed. Yeah. Uh, and he's He's not selling it. the meat. He's selling the leather, the skin of the cow. I, I don't know what he's done with the meat. I think he's selling everything. Okay. Or, or maybe they're going to eat... They're going to... Oh, yeah. So they've salted the meat, so they're going to eat the meat. He's taken uh, the skin ex- to market. On the way to yeah. be sold, he's seen a raven with broken wings. By and he's milk. wrapped it in cow skin. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Just get ready. All right. Just get ready. Okay. But all of a sudden, the weather grew really bad. And there was, <laughs> a, a, sudden, storm. There was a storm of <laughs> rain and wind. <laughs> yeah. So he could go no farther, and he turned back to the mill and begged for shelter. The miller's wife was alone in the house and said to the peasant, Lay yourself on the straw there. And she gave him a slice of bread with cheese on it. Oh, nice. That (laughs) sounds pretty good. (laughs) The peasant ate it and lay down with his skin beside him. And the woman thought, He's tired and has gone to sleep. In the meantime came the parson. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? Wait, is the Stay raven is the raven still in the cowskin? Yeah, yeah, he's okay. still got the raven. He's right, going right, to bed right. with the, the peasant. Yeah, yeah. The miller's wife received the parson well and said, <laughs> and said, "My husband is out, so we'll have a feast." The peasant listened, and when he heard about feasting, he was vexed that he had been forced to make do with a slice of bread with cheese on it. Oh, I like bread not, and cheese, he but he's not happy with he's that. He's not happy. Why is the parson getting a feast? Wow. Uh, what is their relationship here? Wow. I mean, <laughs> read between the lines. Yeah. I don't want to gossip. No, 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 mm. no. But we know. You thought bread and cheese was good, Adam. Well, <laughs> oh, well now no the woman served up four different things. Roast meat, Ooh. salad, Ooh. cakes and wine. Actually sounds pretty great. That does sound good. That sounds really good. I love salad and cake. <laughs> yeah, salad, cake, wine and roast meats. That's your four main food groups. Just as they were about to sit down and eat, there was a knocking outside. The woman said, Oh, heavens, it's my husband. Why is he knocking on his own house? <laughs> she quickly hid the roast meat inside the tiled stove, the wine under the pillow, the salad on the bed, and the cakes under it. That's and the it. parson <laughs> in the cupboard in the entrance. Brilliant. Then she opened the door for her husband and said, Oh, uh, thank heavens, you're back again. There's such a storm. It looks as if the world were coming to an end. The miller saw the peasant lying on the straw and asked, What is that fellow doing there? Ah, said the wife, the poor knave uh, came in the storm and rain and, and begged for shelter. So I gave him a bit of bread and cheese and shoved him where the straw was. The man said, I have no objection, but be quick and get me something to eat. <laughs> okay, chill out. 
The woman said, But I have nothing but bread and cheese. I'm contented with anything, said the miller. Oh. So far as I'm concerned, bread and cheese will do. And he looked at the peasant and said, Come and eat some more with me. The peasant did not require to be invited twice, but got up and ate. Oh, lovely. It's, can, I, can I just say, Miller? Oh, yeah! First Miller! Of but, the series? Yeah, the last few series, I think. What? It's been when a was while the last Miller we had, since then? we've had a Miller. A long time ago now. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Also, a great place to hide the salad, just on the bed. <laughs> it's just like looking at... Uh, <laughs> pop that there. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> the parson's in the cupboard in the, in the entrance. <laughs> get in there. What? Just get in. Uh, so, and now the peasant's having a meal with He's, he's having Miller. even more bread and cheese. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. After this, so they have their meal, and then the miller saw the skin in which the raven was wrapped lying on the ground, and asked, What have you there? The peasant answered, I have a soothsayer inside it. What? Is he okay? (laughs) Can he foretell anything to me? Said the miller. Why not? Answered the peasant. But he only says four things and keeps the fifth to himself. The miller was curious and said, What do you mean? That's weird. (laughs) Let him foretell me something for once. Then the peasant pinched the raven's head so that he croaked and made a noise like, (laughs) Ah! Ah! What? The miller said, What did he say? The peasant answered, In the first place, he says that there is some wine hidden under the pillow. Oh, bless me, cried the miller, and went there and found the wine. Now go on, said he. The peasant made the raven croak again. (laughs) What? This poor raven? Squeezing his head. (laughs) And said, So the raven's done the crack again. And the peasant says, In the second place, he says that there's some roast meat in the tiled stove. Upon my word, cried the miller, and went there and found the roast meat. The peasant made the raven prophecy still more and said, Thirdly, he says that there's some salad on the bed. <laughs> He's like, well, I can see that. <laughs> no, that would be a fine thing, cried the miller, and went there and found the salad. <laughs> there's salad on my bed. Salad on my bed. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that crow told me there was salad on my bed. There's salad on my bed. That'll be the day. <laughs> At last, the peasant pinched the raven once more till he croaked and said, Fourthly, he says that there's some cakes under the bed. That would be a fine thing, cried the miller, and looked there and found the cakes. No way. What are the chances? And now the two sat down to the table together, but the miller's wife was frightened to death and went to bed and took all the keys with her. <laughs> what? <laughs> so she's, she's kind of worked out what's happening here. Yeah, she, yeah. she knows that the peasant knows what the situation. But what keys? Just the keys. She took the keys. Just the keys. <laughs> Car keys. That's why he, he had to knock on his own door. Oh, I see. She's yeah. locked up the place. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, he said, "I've got a soothsayer," but he only says four things, and he keeps, keeps the fifth to yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now he's told them the four things, and the miller would like to have known what the fifth was, but the little peasant said, first we will quickly eat the four things, for the fifth is something bad." So they ate together. And after that, they bargained how much the miller was to give for the fifth prophecy until they agreed on 300 talkers. Then the peasant once more pinched the raven's head till he croaked loudly. The miller asked, what, what did he say? The peasant replied, he says that the devil is hiding there in the cupboard in the entrance. 
The miller said, The devil must go out! And opened the door, and then the woman was forced to give up the keys, and the peasant unlocked the cupboard. The parson ran out as fast as he could, and the miller said, It was true! I saw the black rascal with my own eyes! The peasant made off next morning by daybreak with the 300 talkers. Okay. How you doing? I'm just going to check in. We're, 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 we're still in the thick of this story. Just Are so we you really? Know. Yeah, yeah, that was just a little... This is mental. A little episode. Shall I carry on? I think you should carry on because okay, I'm a little right. bit speechless. All right. What's happening with this raven? I think he's <laughs> getting his head squished. Little soothsayer. Broken, <laughs> broken wings, poor thing. At home, the, the small peasant gradually launched out. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't understand that. He built a beautiful house and the peasant said, The small peasant has certainly been to the place where golden snow falls and people carry the gold home in shovels. What? So he's launching out. So he's like built an annex. He's sort of like got a bit more land. He's launching yeah. out. He's launching out. Yeah. Golden snow? Let's, let's. Let's uh, not go there. No, let's behave. Okay. okay. This is, you know, there might be kids listening. Yeah, yeah okay. Cool. <laughs> So, so all the other peasants have said, like, what is going on? He must have been to the place of golden snow. And then the small peasant was brought before the mayor and bidden to say from where his wealth came. Yeah. He answered, I sold my cowskin in the town for 300 talkers. When the peasants heard that, they too wished to enjoy this great profit and ran home, killed all their cows and stripped off their skins in order to sell them in the town to the greatest advantage. The mayor, however, said, But my servant must go first. Uh, but when the mayor's servant reached the merchant in the town, he didn't give her more than two talkers for a skin. Oh, no. And when the others came, he didn't give them so much and said, What can I do with all these skins? They flooded the market. Why, exactly? Then the peasants were vexed that the small peasant should have thus deceived them. And they wanted to take vengeance on him and accused him of this treachery before the mayor. The innocent little peasant was unanimously sentenced to death and was to be rolled into the water in a barrel pierced full of holes. He was was led forth and a priest was brought who was to say a mass for his soul. Now, the others, the villagers, were all obliged to retire to a distance. And when the peasant looked at the priest, he recognised the man who had been with the miller's wife. It's the parson. I knew it. parson. And he said to him, I uh, set you free from the cupboard, so set me free from the barrel. Okay, I just want to check that you know the the picture that's happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sentenced to death. Yeah. Everyone's watching, but they've got to stand behind the rope at a safe distance. There you go. They've been told to get back. He's about to be put in a barrel uh, full of holes and chucked in the river. This priest is about to read him his last rites, basically. Yeah, yeah. And he is the parson from earlier. And he said, you know, set me free. Come on, I set you free. Yeah. Now, just at this same moment, Adam. No way. Up came. No with, way. With a flock of sheep. No way. The very shepherd who the peasant knew had long been wishing to be mayor. Sorry, who? <laughs> you Am know, I supposed to know who this person it's is? It's the shepherd who the peasant knew had long been wishing to be mayor. <laughs> what? <laughs> this is a new character, surely. I don't know. I don't know this guy. So the priest and the um, the peasant are talking. Up comes a shepherd. And the peasant's like, I know that shepherd. He really wants to be mayor. <laughs> this is a great so, exposition. Yeah. So, so the peasant cried out with all his might. No, I'll not do it. If the whole world insists on it, I'll not do it. The shepherd, hearing that, came up to him and asked, What are you about? What is it that you won't do? The peasant said, They want to make me mayor. 
if I put myself in this barrel, but I won't do it. The shepherd said, oh, if, if nothing more than that is needed in order to be mayor, I'd get into the barrel at once. The peasant said, oh, if, if you'll get in, you'll be mayor. The shepherd was willing and got in, and the peasant shut the top down on him. Then he took the shepherd's flock for himself and drove it away. The parson went to the crowd and declared that the mass had been said. What? Then, <laughs> are you not following? Well, I, I am and I'm not. But okay. <laughs> is he just standing by with all this happening? He knows that's just happened, yeah, right? Yeah, but I think it's like, because of what happened earlier in the Miller's house... He's going to let it slide. He's on his side, yeah. Okay. Got each other's backs. Yeah. Now, he said, I've said my mass. He removes the, like, cordon, and all the villagers rush down and rolled the barrel towards the water. When the barrel began to roll, the shepherd cried... I'm quite willing to be mayor. <laughs> they, 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 they believe that he's having a great time. Rolling down there. I'm going to be mayor. <laughs> and then they believed that it was the peasant who was saying this. And the villagers answered, that is what we intend. But first you shall go down below and look about a little while. And they rolled the barrel down into the water. <laughs> this is so... This is... This is like very wicker man this is very strange <laughs> after that the peasants went home and as they were entering the village the small peasant also came quietly in driving a flock of sheep and looking quite contented then the peasants were astonished and said peasant from where do you come how have you got out of the water yes truly replied the peasant i sank deep deep down until at last i got to the bottom i pushed the bottom out of the barrel and crept out and there were pretty meadows on which a number of lambs were feeding. And from there, I brought this flock away with me, said the peasants. Are there any more there? Oh, yeah, said he, more than I could do anything with. Then the peasants made up their minds that they too would fetch some sheep for themselves, a flock apiece. But the mayor said, no, I come first. So they went down to the water together. And just then, there were some of the small fleecy clouds in the blue sky, which are called little lambs. And they were reflected <laughs> oh, in the right. water. And the peasants cried, We already see the sheep down below! Do you, you see what's happening? I see what's happening. The mayor pressed forward and said, I will go down first and look about me, and if things look promising, I'll call you. So he jumped in, splash, went the water. And then he made a sound as if he were calling them, and the whole crowd plunged in after him. Then the entire village was dead, and the small peasant, as sole heir, became a rich man. The end. struggle to get through without looking what? at you because if I looked at you I wouldn't have been able to read all that <laughs> that last bit oh man <laughs> Adam's face that oh. wow I know I've said it before that I've broken Adam I think yeah. this time I really have you really have I think there's a lot to talk about with that one <laughs> 
where do you even begin? <laughs> well, if I may be so bold, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. Okay. But I think that's how you do a humorous, class-based, one-upsmanship story, not like The Good Bargain. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because behind you in that. as with The Good Bargain, it's like, it's a funny story about social mobility mm. in a world without social mobility. Yeah. So like in olden days Europe, you know, if you were born a peasant, you'd, you'd live and die a peasant. Really. Yeah. And I told you last time, weirdly enough, the two stories are quite similar. Yeah. If, you know, minus the anti-Semitism in our last episode. Yeah, yeah. They're stories about a peasant either like failing to the, failing upwards. Or actually <laughs> or scheming to the scheming. top. Scheming. Subverting the natural order of things in some way. Yeah. Hmm. No, you're right. You're right. And I can totally see, like, people in a village pub or, like, round someone's house, you know, like, telling this story yeah. at night and everyone's having a laugh. And Oh, yeah. You know, and it really kind of... I, to me, I think it says a lot about the, like, institutions of power and, like, social hierarchy, right? Because it's two stories about peasants tricking all the, like, powerful people above them and getting their way to the top but in a funny way yeah yeah it just it's just uh it's insane though at the same time (laughs) yes utterly insane i mean it's really insane (laughs) trying to think where to start i mean he's outsmarted a lot of people throughout the story yeah yet he's not smart enough to know that a wooden calf isn't gonna grow up into a big cow so i would say that you know, of the kind of little sections of that story, the first one is kind of him just being, like, stupid and thick. But then after that, he he becomes a, a tricker, a trickster. He yeah. starts tricking people. So they're kind of... That is a bit disjointed, I'd say. Very disjointed. And we will get to that shortly. Okay. As to why that might be the case. And there are a few clunky bits in there as well, like... Like to make the bargain with the priest at the end, it has to be like the villagers had to go away, away, yeah, 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 so that they couldn't see the like shepherd swap. So it's quite convenient, and for then the they story. Can come back. Yeah, yeah. So that's like that's a bit clunky. Yeah. So there are there are a few creaky bits, but still, definitely. I'd also like to know where the miller had been. <laughs> if he's a miller, yeah, that means he works at the mill. Mm. So what? Where? Why is he coming back from? He's coming back to the mill. Where's he been? Well, does he live in the mill? He must live in the mill. Why? Doesn't he live in a house? Well, he lives in the mill. (laughs) (laughs) Why does he live in the mill? Look, 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 look. The peasant finds a raven standing on the mill, like, and he takes him inside. Then the miller comes back to the mill from somewhere else. I don't, maybe he'd been to the shops. Maybe he'd been to maybe the shops. Maybe he'd been to market to sell his flour at inflated <laughs> prices. Don uh, Miller. <laughs> Blimmin' Millers. Honestly. I mean, this Miller wasn't too bad. He was all right. As you say, you can picture people in a pub sort of telling the story and having a good laugh. Because it's meant to be funny. Mm. But I love the fact that the Miller's, <laughs> the Miller's wife <laughs> is going behind her husband's back with the parson. Yeah. To do what, you might ask? Mm. To eat cake and drink the wine and the salad and the meats. That's what they were doing when he came home. But also another potentially clunky bit is the peasant comes in and she's like, just lie down in the corner there and go to bed. 
Then the peasants and then the go to the, they have their feast together while the peasants there. <laughs> it's so weird. Having said to the peasant, "Oh, I've only got bread and cheese," and then she's bringing out the salad. Yeah, and the cakes. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's so weird. I that think there's this. I think that might be a slightly uh, watered down. I think something might have been going on. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to cast aspersions on the clergy. Sentinel, but they're just having but some cake. They're having a, a nibble. A little on nibble the cake. Of, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Pop that salad in the bed. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the yeah, we get the uh, the soothsayer squeaky raven head. Yeah, what happened to that raven? Don't know. Became unimportant. Oh. Hopefully he mended his wings and kind of like nursed him. You'd like to think so. Temporary raven hospital. He doesn't need to work anymore. He's a rich peasant. He's a rich peasant now. <laughs> okay, I'm going to rewind right to the start. Rich peasant. Mm. Okay. Adam doesn't like this concept well, second time we've met this now doesn't like the concept it's not a concept it's nothing <laughs> yeah you're right all right peasant peasant what is a peasant right Poor so peasant. in german uh the story is called uh das uh, das Bühle or something like that okay sometimes it's translated in english as the little farmer but i prefer peasant i think that's a more accurate translation but what is a peasant well, Merriam-Webster Dictionary gives two definitions, Adam. Interesting. One, a member of a European class of persons tilling the soil as small landowners or as labourers. Two, a usually uneducated person of low social status. So. Interesting. We're thinking of the second definition. Someone uneducated of low status. But I think maybe in the story, it just means a small landowner, right? A, a peasant, but... But... You can have a slightly bigger patch of land. Yeah, and you can be richer. Yeah. Yeah. Tapping your patches. Yeah, yeah. Going back to hands married. Yeah. So, but also maybe that's part of the joke as well. A rich peasant. Rich peasant, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ludicrous, isn't it? Don't worry. I'm not going to be sharing, like, the etymology of the word peasant tonight. Okay. Okay, We're not going, like... Not not going down that particular rabbit hole. No, but I would be remiss if I weren't to inform you that ultimately peasant derives from the Latin word pagus an outlying administrative district, which comes to English via French peasant. Uh, Boule, the German word, uh, is another matter entirely. I don't know. Okay, thanks, Matt. Did you, was, it, was it funny? Did you find the story funny? I did find it funny. I did, okay. and I, definitely my favourite bit is the, the whole sort of middle act where he's in this yeah. um, Miller's house. That was just bizarre and brilliant and ridiculous i could so tell that i'd won you over at that point because it wasn't going well at the beginning no and i do think that perhaps sometimes the ones that are meant to be funny we struggle with yeah yeah but this one i i i i really i thought it was there is the odd one that like i think clever gretel is supposed to be funny we absolutely loved that one yeah that's true well you know what this one is similar to clever gretel in the fact that it's got cool little tricks in it we like it when you have a proper little trickster in a story. Yeah. Who's kind of cleverly manipulating people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that says about us. <laughs> like, like Puss in Boots. I mean, Puss Gretel. in Boots is still the king. Like, yeah. his were, like, really clever. Yeah. This is like a mixture of Puss in Boots and Thumbling, maybe. Yeah. The mania of Thumbling. Thumbling is journeyman. But those, like, little clever moments like Puss in Boots. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, we enjoy those. Oh, definitely. Whereas uh, in our last episode, you know, barring the other obvious unpleasant stuff, uh, it wasn't 
maybe it didn't feel that clever or it just felt like he's just stumbling his way through whereas this a little bit of scheming and trick there is yeah is always good fun but like did he when he said oh there's a oh i opened the barrel at the bottom and there's all these meadows with sheep and it's that's where i got all these sheep from mm. when he said that did he know they were going to see clouds reflecting in the river and <laughs> jump in or no but i think that would work if you remove that line from the story okay i think that would be fine yeah yeah I'm just trying to ascertain how clever this guy is because let's not forget he believed that this wooden calf that was made by his carpenter friend was going to grow into a big cow. Losing points for characterization. <laughs> really sloppy characterization. Really, I mean, I mean get it that together, is one of my Grimms. pet peeves when people in the name of character development will just com- do a complete 180 on a character right. and you're like, that's not character development. It just doesn't make sense. Adam doesn't like sloppy character do development. Do not like sloppy character development. You're going to be losing points. <laughs> Left, right, sloppy. And okay. No, none of that sloppy business. What? <laughs> The Little Peasant was collected from Dorothea Veerman, whom we discussed in The Three Feathers. Any memory of that? In The Three Feathers? <laughs> just, just the three what? Just, just who, go, who are you? Just scroll down. <laughs> anyway, it joined the Grimm's Fairy Tale Collection in the second edition of 1819, replacing another story from the first edition, which was called the tailor who soon became rich. So this story like replaced that You can that see one. the commonality there. Yeah, yeah, it's a very similar story. Um, it's got a few other bits in it. Uh, obviously, the protagonist is a tailor. Uh, I'm not going to tell you about it because it is quite similar. We've got other stuff to do tonight. Sure. Uh, but one thing I did like is that it's not a raven wrapped in a cowhide. He gets a, thro- a frozen thrush. Which is hard to say. Frozen thrush. He, that's the like little thing he squeaks his head. A frozen thrush. What? Does he get it from? The, like, we don't have time, mate. The frozen. I sh- you know, I shouldn't have even brought it up. A bag of frozen okay, thrushes. Okay, moving on. Mm. <laughs> this story, uh, the little peasant, is ATU type one five three five. The rich farmer and the poor farmer. Many other similar folk tales have been collected around the world that belong to this story category. Mm-hmm. In the Grimm's notes, in their annotations, they recount up to five other versions they've discovered, all in just in German. Uh, one of which is another version they collected themselves, they say from Hess, but uh, also a bunch that are already published by German authors. So oh, they've okay. found at least five other versions of this just in Germany. Very popular German tale, then. German-speaking lads, yeah. Mm. But I think that well-trained Grimm listeners could probably already guess that this story is made up of lots of distinct motifs. Yeah. There are like loads of unique episodes in there, different kind of story building blocks. And that might explain why the first bit doesn't match up. Sure, because they've glued two bits together that shouldn't be together. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I, I wasn't able to find exactly like the different types of ATU motifs in it. But I, you know, I think we can spot them. So it's obviously you've got 
the false cow bit at the start. Mm-hmm. Then there's the bit with the miller. And then there's the bit where he's sentenced to death at the end in the barrel. You can tell that they're like three kind of distinct yeah, different yeah. bits. And that, is, yeah, and that is why it doesn't match up with the first bit, potentially. You're just kind of slotting them in. No, I, I suspected that might be the case, yeah. In the words of Uther, of uh, Arne Thompson Uther Index fame, yeah. this type of tail, 1535, is usually combined with one or more other types. Also, it can be traced back to the 10th and uh, 11th centuries and has been popular since the 15th century. So what Uther says is that you can, you know, this is a distinct ATU type, a distinct kind of story type, but more often than not, it's combined with loads of other types as well. Okay. So unsurprisingly, we can find similar stories elsewhere. Even ones that aren't like the same story might use the devices that we find in this one in some way, if that makes sense. You can kind of pluck bits out of it. Yeah. Really, they're just like little motifs of trickery. So it shouldn't really surprise you, Adam, to learn that three of the big players in literary fairy tales have published stories resembling this one or using little motifs from this one. Straparola. Oh, yeah. We know Straparola. Basile. Oh, we know Basile. (laughs) And Hans Christian Andersen. Ah, friend of the podcast. (laughs) These are massive names in the world of fairy tales. Huge. So, okay, so what I'm going to do is, don't worry, I'm not going to be reading you three whole other stories. Okay. I'm going to outline two of those that I've just mentioned to give you a feel for kind of how else you can use the, like, story-building blocks. And then I thought we'll save one of them for the December Grim Fables, our patron-only podcast. Delightful. Let's do that. Just so that we're not here all night. Yeah, I think that's best. Now, I've made a, a solemn vow to myself that I'm not going to repeat any of the actual text from the story. I'm only going to sum up the relevant parts. Okay. Just so that we're not here for three hours. Okay. okay. So this should be quite quick. Okay. All right. So what, what, what's on the menu? First up, a little bit of straparola. Okay. Lovely. Delicious. The story Scarpafico, once duped by the three robbers, is found in Volume 1, of the Knights of Straparola, the, or the facetious Knights of Straparola, written by Giovanni Francesco Straparola. Uh, this was published between 1550 and 1553 in Venice, and is considered by many the first ever European fairy tale book. Yes, I remember that. Features the earliest examples of Puss in Boots, Thousand Furs, and the Golden Goose, and loads of other ones. So Scarpafico, essentially, it's the story of a battle of wits between a priest and a gang of robbers. It starts with the priest getting tricked out of a horse he's just bought at a market, and then he plots revenge, and then things escalate fast. Okay. So that's, that's kind of the setup. That's the setup. Okay, yeah. that's the premise. Scarpa Fico, once duped by three robbers. So, very long story short, after some back and forth trickery between the priest and the robbers, uh, we'll pick up where the priest, called Scarpa Fico, has tricked the robbers into murdering their own wives because they think that they have a magical bagpipe which can bring them back to life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, 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 I, I know this story well. Oh, that oh, old it's one. the story's oldest time. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. The old okay. magical bagpipe. 
the robbers are like furious. So they've killed their wives. They've tried to bring them back with magical bagpipes. It hasn't worked. Turns out it's just bagpipes. It's just bagpipes. They've been tricked <laughs> Imagine into that. it. Add, add insult to injury. <laughs> I mean, just try and dream up the scenario that led to that situation occurring. <laughs> it's in the story, but we don't have time. It's just blood like seeping across. The it's floor. not working. <laughs> Come on, get up. <laughs> so the robbers are furious. At the priest, because he's tricked them into doing this. So yeah, yeah. they go to Scarpa Fico, they bundle him in a sack, and they head Absolutely. down to the river. <laughs> Good on them. Yeah, yeah, come on, lads. <laughs> Here we go. And they head down to the river, and they're going to drown him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> drown the priest. Yay! Wait. But at one point, um, they put the sack down, and they go away. They've been spooked or something, and they run off. <laughs> um, now, so the sack with the priest is just there. A shepherd driving his flock passes the sack and as he's passing the priest says out loud i won't have her i'm a priest for goodness sake the, sh- the shepherd is he right the shepherd hearing the no he's about to be drowned <laughs> but who's he talking to well the shepherd hearing the voice he's like what's the hell is that he's like, it's coming from the sack he opens the sack finds the priest in there unties him and he's like well you know what are you doing in there and and, and also what, what on earth were you talking about scarpa fico the priest he said well the seigneur of the town wants me to marry one of his daughters, but I'm a priest and I'm too old. I just I can't stomach the idea. And the shepherd gets all excited and says, oh, yeah, do you think he'll let me marry her? And Scarpa Fico says, of course, just hop in the sack and I'll tie you up. Oh, yeah, I can see where this is going. Then, then the priest left the sack there and he drove off with the shepherd's flock. And then many hours, many hours <laughs> drove later. Drove off with them. <laughs> but one does drive Hop in, a guys. Flock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just picturing Sean the sheep now. <laughs> <laughs> hours later, the thieves come back. Yeah. Uh, what, at, where did they go? <laughs> the pub or something. Yeah. And then they lobbed the sack in the river. <laughs> let off. <laughs> Why did they get so close to doing it? And then, like... That's a plot hole in yeah. this whole story. Yeah. You know, it's a bit it's creaky. Like we get all the way type. to the river... Uh, let's just go off for a bit. <laughs> it's, it's tricky to make this bit land, you know. Yeah. Earlier we had to have the priest pushing the crowd back. That made perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. Stay back, stay back, stay back. <laughs> now, on, the robbers, on their way home, they're thinking, great, job done. Oh, they see some sheep. Lovely. And they're about to steal them. Lovely. <laughs> and they're about then, to steal them. And then, to their astonishment, they see the priest. And the, he says, oh, you guys again. If you'd thrown me a bit further in the river, I'd have ten times as many sheep. And then the robbers say, uh, oh, Scarpa Fico, come on, uh, do us a good turn. Please tie us up in the sacks and throw us in the river. <laughs> Why do they need to be tied up? <laughs> Jump in, lads, come and on. Scarpa Fico's like, mm, all right then, go on then. And he ties up all the robbers who are all excited. And he throws them in the river where they drowned. And thus, Scarpa Fico lived many years in prosperity and happiness. And this guy's a priest. The end. <laughs> yes, he's a priest. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's preaching on Sunday, but the rest of the week, yeah. what else oh, is he, he up murdering. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm in a bitter dispute with a gang of robbers. Sorry, <laughs> a bit late to the sermon. <laughs> but many people have died. I'm just, so it's all good. 
Brilliant. Oh, that, I mean, honestly, that story is fantastic. If you've got the time, I'd recommend a bit of Straparola. That sounds fantastic. Because uh, that's just one of several tricks used throughout the story. It's like wow. an escalation of trickery between the priest and the robbers. But it, it's also it's very similar to the Hans Christian Andersen one, so I didn't want to kind of spoil uh, okay. that. Okay, right, right. Mm. So basically, as you can see, that uses the like little narrative device of tricking your enemy into drowning themselves. The sack instead of the barrel, yeah. Yeah, and that has its own ATU type. That is uh, 1737, trading places with the trickster in a sack. Ah. So that's identified as a little motif. That's cool. And we see here it's at least 500 years old. Amazing. That's really cool. I enjoyed that. You enjoyed that? Enjoyed the straparola. Lovely. Well, shall we move on? Yes, let's move on. Are we moving on to Basile? Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Never a dull moment with Basile. Never. So, Straparola's story has the whole, like, tricking someone into drowning. Mm -hmm. Basile has a story that uses the whole middle bit of hiding the food around the house and then someone revealing it, the bit you'd like. That's my favourite bit. Said story is called The Buddy. (laughs) (laughs) The Buddy. (laughs) It's uh, story number 10 of the second day in Giambattista Basile's The Tale of Tales, published between 1634 and 1636 in Naples. Sorry, this story is from the 1600s and it's called The Buddy. (laughs) Yes, you heard correctly. Uh, and the tale of tales, just to say, is the next like significant literary fairy tale work after Straparola. Yeah, about seventy, eighty years later. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to mega quickly relate it to you. Okay. Uh, there are long monologues of insults, um, but we're going to skip Beautiful. those. No, we're going to skip them. I'm afraid okay. I'm going to skip those, and I'll just tell you what happens, and you can imagine streams of insults in between all the bits I say. I'll I'll fill fill in the blanks. The buddy. There's a rich man called Cola. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> but he's but still he's a bit tight so he like lives a simple life okay yeah now cola has a buddy Pepsi. and every time that cola and his wife mazella sit down to eat a meal ratatatat the buddy knocks on the door the buddy and he he comes in and he jumps in between them <laughs> uh between cola and mazella and he gulps down everything and glugs the wine and then he just leaves what this is not a friend <laughs> So this is, yeah, it's a nightmare. It's just an awful situation. Honestly, buddy. Now, one day, uh, the couple hear that the buddy has gone out of town to assist an official on a work trip. And they say... (laughs) I can't take you seriously. Keep talking about the buddy. (laughs) And they say, right, okay, look, get the good food ready. This is our chance. We can have a good meal. The buddy's away. The buddy's away. So Cola ran out and bought a fine eel... And a bag of the best flour and a good flask of wine. And then Mazella, his wife, got busy in the kitchen. She fried the eel and prepared a nice pizza. What? Why are they eating eel? That's not <laughs> a good meal. Eel followed by pizza. But I just Lovely. had the pizza. <laughs> Forget the eel. Give the eel to Buddy. Oh, don't you have Cockney roots or something, Adam? Come no. on. Do you have Cockney roots? Oh, Would you eat sit I down do, actually. and have a delicious eel? <laughs> Get your eel. <laughs> Hughes's Eel Emporium. <laughs> That's my next business idea. It's lovely. That's the money I'm investing from the podcast. <laughs> Going in straight into jelly deals. <laughs> so, all that's been made. Lovely. Yeah, beautiful. They sit down, cutlery in hand, yep. eyes wide, ready, about to tuck in, when suddenly... Knock on the door. 
quick as a flash, they think. Oh, it's the buddy. It's the buddy. So they throw the eel behind the cupboard. Yep. The wine, the wine flask under the bed. Yep. And the pizza under the mattress. Oh, smart. <laughs> Is it pizza under a mattress? Yeah, that's the that's, that's a good place to hide it. Pizza, man. Okay, all right, all right. And uh, Cola himself hid underneath the table. Why is he hiding? And he peeked out uh, through a hole in the fabric. Um, <laughs> but, so they were doing all this, right? But all the while, the buddy was watching it through the keyhole. <gasps> so he's seen, What a creep. <laughs> What's happened? This is mad, this story. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine all this but with really long monologues as well <laughs> when they let him in so so you know Mazella goes answers the door yeah uh, and then the buddy comes in and he acts all bewildered and Mazella says what's what's wrong and the buddy says oh, well while you were making me wait outside uh, a huge snake slithered under my feet it was as big as that uh, eel you hid behind the cupboard. I was so scared that I picked up a rock from the ground, which was as big as that flask you hid under the bed. And then, boom! I threw it at the snake's head and made a pizza out of it. <laughs> Wait, what? what? Much, like, no. much like the one under the mattress. What? And as it lay writhing and dying, it looked at me, like my buddy Cola under the table is doing. Oh, it's been r- really quite an ordeal. What? No. What? You said, what is that? What is that, Matt? He threw a rock at a snake and it made pizza. Sorry. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Welcome to Naples. <laughs> Basile, you've lost the plot. You've jumped the shark. You are talking about... What are you talking about? <laughs> so... So he's basically, he's spinning this yarn that he's been attacked yeah. by a snake. Yeah, yeah. And all the while he's sort of so revealing that, in that he saw the whole thing. He's seen the whole thing. Yeah. Being a bit of smarmy about he's it. A bit you know. smarmy. <laughs> he's made a p- because he smashed <laughs> the snake's head open. snake and <laughs> into a pizza. Next time you're eating a pizza, which... Uh, <laughs> Think of it as a smashed snake. <laughs> okay, shall I kind of move on from that bit? Uh, yeah, I okay, guess. Okay, good. Right, so he said he said all this with you know a smug look on his face. Meanwhile, yeah. <laughs> Cola's under the table. Well, Cola has had enough. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Right? He jumps out from under the table and he completely flies off the handle yeah. at the buddy, and he says, "You should be ashamed of yourself." Listen here, buddy, you're a disgrace. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, again, it's about <laughs> three pages of this, uh, and you know what? The buddy, defeated, thinks, "Yeah, you know, I've behaved terribly." And he goes off and and leaves them alone. And walking away, he was reminded of the saying, a dog not invited to the wedding should not go, or it will get a beating. The end. (laughs) (laughs) What? Of the buddy. (laughs) I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the buddy. Um, Yeah, it's a lovely expression, isn't it? (laughs) You remember that old saying? It's like I always say. A dog not invited to a wedding shouldn't go to the wedding, otherwise it'd get beaten up. Brilliant. How oh, very beautiful. Can you imagine a beautiful wedding? <laughs> you know, the bride and groom there, they're having the photos. A dog turns up. Is that dog on the list? <laughs> no. Get him! <laughs> but the idea being that... that so so this story is, is using that middle section yeah. that you liked with the middle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a, you know, and obviously in a quite in a quite a different way. It doesn't have the kind of... <laughs> 
implications of infidelity or anything no. like that. It's, it's it's very Neapolitan. No, instead it's replaced that with something that makes no sense yeah. at it, all. It, well, it's basically like someone's coming and eating all my lovely food and my pizza, yeah. and that is not on Yeah, in Naples. Why is cola hiding under the table? Why is it called cola? Why is it called cola? <laughs> <laughs> so... So, yeah, it's playing with it in a slightly different way. But, yeah. uh, but uh, it's basically like you're hiding different stuff around your house and someone's seen it. <laughs> and either you squeak a raven's head or you uh, spin a story about uh, smashing a snake's head open. Into pizza. Yeah. I mean, he didn't string it out that much because he, like, he immediately has made it clear that he saw the whole thing. It's not like he then decides yeah. to string them along for a while. Yeah, he could come in and sit down and, yeah, yeah. and we know that he's seen it. Yeah. No, it doesn't what do that. What food have you got? Where's cola? <laughs> As he's, like, treading on his hands, like... Yeah. <laughs> but none of that. It's just like... Are you improving Basile, Adam? Wow. You, ah. We've come a long way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Enjoy. I, I, I like that one. Brilliant. Can't go wrong with a bit of You bazile. can't go wrong. Even when it's all going wrong, it's brilliant. <laughs> I've even seen Basile compared to like, as like the Neapolitan Shakespeare. Oh, wow. You know, because his language is just so yeah, like very rich florid. and dense and florid, exactly. Now, the final story is by Hans Christian Andersen that I mentioned. Yes. The Danish fairy tale writer who really needs no introduction, I'd say. Let's not give him one then. No. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, a story called Little Claws, Big Claws. <laughs> this this sounds like it should be some comedy film from about 2004. <laughs> Little Claws, Big Claws. Uh, well, unfortunately, it was published in 1835. Oh, it's a slightly different. Um, it's utterly bananas and contains a lot of similar elements, including tricking others into getting drowned and the hide in the food business and loads of other stuff. But we, we don't have time. Unfortunately, I think we've done quite enough tonight. Yes. Um, so instead, I thought as a as a Christmas treat, I'll uh, I'll read it like pretty much in full in our December Grim Fables Patron podcast. Oh, I look forward to that because I thought like it's vaguely Christmassy. It's called Little Claws, Big, Big Claws. Claws. Yeah. So there's a there's a Christmas I, connection. I'm there. assuming it is spelt C L A U S. Yes. Yeah. It's not Little Claws, Big Claws with a W. No. No. Ooh. We'll see if I can dig out a story with that name. <laughs> no, and in that case, perfect for December Grim Fables. So, yeah, that's just some of the other ways other fairy tale writers have woven those motifs into stories. Amazing. time i reckon i think so so this is the part of the podcast where we each give the story a score out of 10 adam what are you thinking well i've had a chance to recover a bit from basically being beaten around the head with a crazy story yeah you were you were in shock i I was in shock and i've i've come back to the land of the living a little bit excellent and 
I really enjoyed it. Okay, I'm glad. It is a fun story. And there's a lot to pick apart. And like you say, it's uh, it's one that clearly tackles sort of social mobility and class. It's an interesting fact about the peasants as well. I like that. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise it literally doesn't make any sense. Rich peasants? No. Yeah. No. Fun character. I mean, clumsy character development, as we discussed yeah. before. Not a fan of that. It loses points there. But we've got a new cool character. The little peasant. The little peasant. Yeah. And he comes out on top. As basically him and his wife... I assume his wife's still there. We never hear from her again. Oh, yes. Um, that they're basically the sole survivors of the entire village. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But... Hmm, what do I think? What do I think? I'm thinking an eight... Wow, an eight. Yeah. Until you said that number, I hadn't even even vaguely considered a score. Wow, that's a massive score. It's a big score, isn't it? Yeah. Which is great because I think I was, well, you know, the, for, the, for the first like little section with the cow, I was worried that you were not having a good time. No. And then we got to the Miller's house. Won you back round. Oh, amazing. <laughs> so you're sticking with eight. Am I sticking with eight, though? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, otherwise, if, it, if not eight, then 7.5. Okay. I, I, I really like this story. Yeah. I think it's really good fun. Yeah. Um, I could do with more of them. I, I like the, that kind of... It's not a story of a, uh, a poor boy who goes on an adventure and overcomes great odds and marries a princess. You know, which can be great, and we love those fairy tales, but it's really nice to get these sort of refreshing humorous like you know yeah there's a bit there's a bit of cheekiness in there yeah there's cheekiness in there yeah we need a bit of cheek yeah every now and then exactly so with that in mind (laughs) i can't make the decision for you oh am i still no i'm gonna stick with an eight you're sticking with eight yeah i was expecting Uh, your decision sticking with an eight wow fantastic oh yeah i really liked it and i feel like you know if if all these landmark fairy tale books are like using these devices it's got to have something special in it right yeah and at the very least it shows like the popularity of these little folk motifs yeah these are these have been around and people have you know those fairy tale authors have heard these little stories because they're popular because they work yeah and i i think they work tonight just yeah (laughs) no it did it worked I think I'm going to go 7.5. Oh, okay, interesting. I think that's where I'm stretching myself to. Yeah, 7.5. So that is a 15.5 out of 20. Not bad. Not too eh? shabby. Yeah. Not too shabby. Hmm. I'm glad. I'm happy yeah. with that result. That feels fitting. It's in the top quartile of stories. Exactly, where it belongs. And I think we're the buddy can go there as well with them. The buddy. Oh, <laughs> honestly, that buddy. Well... Fantastic stuff. So we are now at the end of our cycle of stories. We are indeed. So it's now time for Adam to pick the next three stories we'll be reading on the podcast and to reveal the winner of our latest patron story poll, which will be the fourth story, and then to launch the next poll. Yes, that will make sense. (laughs) So Adam is now going to pick the first three stories. We'll be reading. <laughs> yeah. Next. So, as always, Matt has no idea what I'm going to say. I picked these based on the title alone. Just whatever takes my fancy. So, the next story we'll be reading from the list is 
Number 81. Brother Lustig. Followed by number 49. The Six Swans. And then number 67. The Twelve Huntsmen. <laughs> wow. How does that sound? That sounds delightful. <laughs> that is a beautiful selection, Adam. Okay, looking forward to that. I think they have... Uh, so in there, there's been... Two, you've got two of my pole losers. Yeah. Like, story pole losers. Scoop them up off the floor. <laughs> Brother Lustig. And I think the 12 Huntsmen, in our first ever story poll, I was like, I'm picking the 12 Huntsmen. It's a yeah. shoe-in. How can that lose? It the lost. 12 hun- it lost. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short. <laughs> it lost. Yeah, but... Who's the loser now? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Me still. <laughs> still um, and the Six Swans is one that many people have uh, raised in the past as their like favourite fairy tale. Oh, look forward and to that. you've never picked it. Um, but, you know. I picked it it's now. It's your choice. It's your I choice. I picked it now, right? Back um, off. <laughs> also, I mean, can I just, you know, the sort of grim reading universe, like y- the way you choose the stories is amazing. Because like, can you believe you chose that? The little peasant, just after you chose the good bargain. Yeah. Very, very similar story. Strange, isn't it? And you chose the nasty one, and then we're having the nice one. <laughs> it's just like, it always kind of like works out. That's just amazing. The Grim Reading Universe is just a nice place, isn't it? It's a wonderful place. <laughs> Everything always works out here. It always. <laughs> so, so, that yeah. leads us on to the fourth yeah. story that we're going to hear, which is the winner of the previous patreon poll indeed so the way it works is matt chooses a story i choose a story and we pit them against each other anonymously on a patron poll so that poll is now closed and we can now reveal the winner will be the fourth story read after those previous three sure so the poll this time was between the golden bird and faithful john we can reveal now. Yes, we can. The winner. The, the winner of the mm. poll. Yeah. Come on. With 54% of the vote. Yeah. So it's close. Yeah. It's close. Oh, Very a... close. Well. Is the golden bird. Yes, it is. Yes, Who chose it is, that? Adam. Me. Oh! I chose it. And I'm Matt won. Won. Yes, Matt won. How does it feel, Matt? Nice? <laughs> <laughs> Matt's had a little win under his belt. <laughs> I'm giving myself shade. <laughs> oh. How do you feel? Pretty good. Yeah. The golden bird. Well, I say pretty good. Actually, I don't feel very good about this win. Oh, no. Why? Because... Why? First of all, I would have liked a clearer lead. Mm-hmm. 54%. That was pretty tight. Mm. And also, there was a slight issue here that I kind of feel undermines it. And, you know, almost could, like, void the result. So I, I scheduled this poll to go live. And I did it at the same time that I was scheduling Our Lady's Child episode to release. So right at the start of the series, I was kind of like just getting it all ready, planning. It was like quite late, been working hard. And then only afterwards did I realise, when the poll was live, that I wrote the wrong name in the poll. I put the gold bird, but it's the golden bird. Oh, no. So people were voting for the wrong name. So they've actually chosen the gold bird, which is a story that doesn't exist. We could write it. (laughs) And I mean, honestly, I don't know what I was doing because I realised afterwards I'd also titled the poll because we like we give the polls different names. I'd I'd called it a bird or a bloke. Yeah. Right. 
and I, I hadn't in my head even associated the idea of like a bird as a like woman. As a woman. I had the genuinely British slang. Yeah, which is British slang. I genuinely hadn't thought of that. So I changed it as soon as I realised that to uh, Battle of the Nicknames. The gold, golden bird, faithful John. But the damage was done, Matt. So much damage in this poll. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a pretty hollow victory. So what do we one. do? Well, we I, can't, or... I think we beat the golden bird. <laughs> okay. That seems like the best way to go. But Just is, put it behind us. It's not how I wanted to win a poll. No. Is it a Pyrrhic victory or is it just hollow? I don't know. You tell me. I don't, I don't know anymore. I don't know. Matt's deflated now. But don't, yeah. don't worry, Matt, okay. because we've got a lovely story, The mm. Golden Bird. Yeah. And then yeah. we are now going to announce the, the two stories that are going to be battling it out in the next oh, Patreon poll. We're going to get the names right in the poll. Oh, yeah. Okay, come you, on. We better. Right. So, the two stories that we'll be battling it out this time are... Little brother and little sister, or the old man and his grandson. So that's the old man and his grandson, or little brother and little sister. Which shall you choose? Yeah, patrons. down to our wonderful patrons. Any and all patrons can vote in that poll, which will be live tomorrow, when you're listening. Not not like tomorrow Whenever your tomorrow is, not our tomorrow. tomorrow Yeah. Battle of the Battle of the Family, that one I'd say. Oh, yeah, little brother, little sister, and the unexpectedly familial. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, it looks like we've kind of got everything lined up then for the next next few stories. Perfect. It's good to know where we stand. Matt now knows what stories to uh, research and read up on. Mm-hmm. And speaking of patrons, I think it's now time to do another round of patron shoutouts, just to say thank you. To all of our wonderful patrons. So this episode, we'd like to give a big, hearty thank you to Kitty Kong, Emily Hyde, Katie Thornton, Kristen S, Natalie Eslick, Isquinanamook, Martha Wharton, Sheena Nichols, Kate, maybe Dimmock, Julie McGrath, Kylie Reynolds, Ashley Fisher, Anastasia Wajaya, and Devon Marr. Thank you to all of you wonderful patrons. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I'm glad we're back doing the patron shout-outs. It really means the world to us. Thank you, and welcome to Grim Castle. Absolutely. We read that off a giant scroll. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. Yeah. Really has. It's been hard work. I mean, wrapping my head around that story. <laughs> but we got there in the end. It's a hard lesson, Grim Reader. Yeah. It's really exhausting. <laughs> we did, yeah. I think that we're not going to be having another story until next year now. I think the next episode, the main Grim Reading episode, is going to be the Christmas episode. It's looking like that's the way it's going. But for patrons, uh, roundabout now, either a bit before or a bit after, are special Q&A episode should be live uh, so that's where we, we asked patrons to send us a bunch of questions and then Adam and I we're about to record it now yeah, we're just going to sit down and uh, go through all the questions and have a drink and it's going to be fun I think it's going to be great um, also I think the, there's a plan to uh, release a little bit more of the um, interview I had with Rachel O'Brien from the last episode The Good Bargain for patrons so we're going to release more of my chat with Rachel um, about anti-Semitism in the Grimms. Uh, so patrons will get to hear that. 
And then, we, of course, we've got Big Claws, Little Claws coming in uh, December Grim Fables. Excellent. Yeah, we'll welcome those guys into the into the Fable stable. Well, well I guess we get, uh, get ready for the, the Q&A. I think, should we, should we get a pizza from under the mattress and uh, sit down? Absolutely, we should. And but first, some questions. do you want to go check out those there's the sheep under the water, I think? Do you want to just go have a look? Sheep? Yeah, no under the way. water. How yeah. many? Are there loads? Can there's I have loads. them? No! Why don't you jump in and have oh, a look? Oh, yeah! Actually, can you just tie me in this sack first? No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Matt? Yeah, I'm ready. Matt? Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Bring on the sheep. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. <laughs>